The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Thank you so much for joining me today as we talk about postpartum care. As you know, every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I have with me Michelle Peterson, who is the author of Seven Sisters for Seven Days, a mother's manual for community-based postpartum care. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Michelle has this book that is on postpartum care, and when I picked it up, I thought, oh, yeah, postpartum care. I know pretty much everything there is to know about postpartum care. I worked postpartum for years. No problem. I understand this. And then I actually put my nose into her book, and I thought, oh, you know, maybe I don't really know this. (laughs) And I have to say that there was a, a foreword by Dr. Aviva Rahm, And basically, she said, don't miss this book. And I think I would echo that because there's so much here that I found really interesting. But I want to start, Michelle, with one of the things that you talked about, which is women plan going to college, women plan getting married, women might even plan their birth, but they really don't plan their postpartum. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, from my perspective, I didn't even know when throughout my first pregnancy what postpartum meant. I didn't even know what that word meant, for example. Uh-huh. So there's, um, in my experience, not a lot of talk about it other than postpartum depression. So True. there's a lot True. of women that think postpartum means depression. Yes, yes and, they do. Uh, I didn't realize that. I just read an article recently by... Um, I forget the woman's name. She's a famous woman who went through it, and she calls it postpartum in her article. And I'm going, my goodness, they've been doing this for years, and that's not even what that word means, but that's how little exposure it's gotten. So that's why people are doing that. So the first time that I heard somebody, she said that her sister had had a bad postpartum. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, like she had, I don't know what I was thinking, but then it suddenly dawned on me that she was talking about postpartum depression, and I thought, whoa, these are two different things. So anyway, tell us more. It's very common, and a lot of people ask me about my project, oh, oh, so it's about depression. No, it's about preventing it, actually. (laughs) Um, So in in our society, at least in my experience, there's not a lot of talk about it unless you've been around somebody who's went through postpartum depression, but yet still, there's not a lot of talk about 
okay, here are ways that you can set yourself up to take better care of not just the baby. We've got that part. We've got plenty of things set up to take care of the baby. What about the mother? We don't talk about that. It's like the baby, the baby's here. Are we talking about how to take care of her beyond, you know, um, breast pumps and things to (laughs) feed the baby, you know? And, uh, I think, you know, as a culture, we take care of what we value. And I Mm. think we're just starting to realize that this is valuable. Our mothers are valuable. Our mother's well-being is valuable. And it's most certainly will be better for the baby. It'll most certainly be better for the relationships um, and for the whole nuclear family or, or, and beyond. You know, I don't know if I want to call it the nuclear family because that's part of what's been causing us problems is all that isolation. But I, I find that, you know, I, I joke that people will go on TripAdvisor and, um, or a vacation site, right? And research every restaurant and hotel and plan for mm-hmm. their, their vacation. Yep. Like, they do. Why can't they do this for after a, you have a baby? Cause that's kind of a big deal. You know, and you're, you're going to be it going is. through a lot of changes and people aren't just, you know, if they're not exposed to it, they don't see what could happen if you're not cared for. They generally won't prepare for that. Right. We've heard a lot about birth trauma or problems with breastfeeding or producing milk or all these other things. People have heard about that. So they might, pay attention to those areas, but we don't talk so much about the mom suffering silently at home and feeling isolated Mm -hmm. until something very extreme happens. It makes the seven o'clock news. Mm, That's true. I I guess I was thinking too, that you certainly talk about isolation. And as I, I was thinking, yeah, but Michelle, guess what? I don't want to go back to the days when we all lived as one big happy family, four generations of people in one house. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> but uh, I think that you present a different model, which mm-hmm. is it's more about the community, not necessarily the household. Am I reading you right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Michelle, why do you think that Well, I think you just answered that. You said people don't plan for the postpartum period because somehow we don't talk about it. We might not even have a good definition of what it really is. But then there's kind of that next piece. This has been my experience with people who plan their birthing experiences. To me, there's a difference between a wish and a plan. You know, a wish is, is kind of a wish list, but What about a plan for the postpartum? Can you talk to us about that? Well, the way that the book, well, the way the book talks about it and the way that I'm, what I really emphasize with women and their families is you obviously can't plan for everything. You may, you know, I had a friend who wanted to breastfeed and she got, you know, in home birth and got separated and wasn't producing enough milk and went on this whole journey with that. So, you know, we have, right, the wish of what we want, and then there's all these things that could happen. But what you can do to plan in the, to the best of your ability is plan for what you're hoping for and identify what the family's needs are, everything down to looking into sleep choices. So you're not figuring that out with a newborn baby, like, okay, why don't we research these different feeding choices and sleep choices and know what our options are in the event that something comes up have on the fridge or have your postpartum team coordinator have for you a list of lactation consultants, even, you know, physical therapists, if there's pelvic floor issues to Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. pediatrician, have them interviewed ahead of time, all these things that can minimize the stress and um, 
a big thing that I emphasize with women is, yeah, you, you've got to look at the whole picture and that there are unknowns that are going to come up and we can prepare for them to the best of our ability. And having a team in place that knows how to connect you with those resources or we've even had people um, set the home up when a mom has an unplanned transport and she comes home and there's food in the fridge and her bed is made. These simple things can be really big yes. things. Um, but yes. just knowing you have people on call if something comes up can be one of the most uh, preventative pieces for a lot of moms when they're feeling overwhelmed and they don't know what to do. Just knowing they have someone there who can help them and that in oftentimes the people that are on these teams are usually women that have had babies or uh, doulas in the community, um, you know, women that have been around this so they know where to sure. go for those resources as well. But the plan is all about identify, you know, what your family's needs are. Like in my case, I just wanted help with my food and my toddler when I did my seven sisters is like, I need help with food. So that's where a lot of the energy went. The other stuff I wasn't so worried about with laundry and all that stuff, you know, but help me get food in here. Cause that was the hardest part for me with my first. And so identifying what those most important needs are and having people on call to help you with it. And in the event, you mm. don't have a lot of people, you can set that up for yourself. So just being aware of the resources that are available, which as a first time mom myself, I didn't know what a lactation consultant was. And if I knew I would have gotten help instead of being in pain for two weeks, just awfully painful breastfeeding. And I was so uh, determined to breastfeed that I, I worked through it, but there, it was just a, a poor latch all that time. And we didn't know. And I, it would have saved us a lot of um, stress, you know, every Sure. Sure. I, I hear you saying a couple of things. One is have someone who can help you with whatever it is in your household that is, uh, I don't know if a bothersome is the right word, but I'm a little bit like that too. If I feel like I don't have food in the house and food prepared, then I feel like, well, you know, we got to eat somehow. Um, and, and I guess my other thought is that very often people come and they want to help, but what they what they do actually is that they want to take over the baby rather than the household chores. And that's why, absolutely. And it's, it's, oh, that's one of the things like you, <clears throat> excuse me, you watch movies and you see that, right? People just yes. handing the baby around and yes. it's like, oh my gosh, you know, but um, that's why I, I tell women, you set up a plan and then you make it clear with people what, in a, in a gentle way, right? The mom's going to rest right now. And, you know, I tell people that set up a team, have a postpartum, uh, like a point person that guides the whole team. And I call them the gatekeeper because they kind of yes. stand uh -huh. at the door of the mother and say, they're resting right now. They're not ready to visit. And the other piece is a lot of people want to help and they don't know how. And then they yes. obviously get um, drawn to the baby because, I mean, how can you not, right? So they go right for the baby. <laughs> And if you give them, this is what we need help with. And, you know, I always tell people, ask people to only do what they like doing. Like if they don't like doing housework, please don't volunteer for that. Cause that's not going to feel good for anybody. Just do what you love to do and, um, you know, drop off the recycling or be on call or, and when you give people that, um, trajectory of how to help, it does shift. It does shift that dynamic in most cases I've found. 
Here's another thing is driving. A lot of times if mothers have had cesarean sections or whatever, they're not allowed to drive for X number of days or weeks or whatever. And sometimes the baby is in a hospital that is substantially far away from the mother if there's been complications with the baby. And so driving even is something that that people just don't think that that's a really great thing to be able to do for mothers. That's a really good point, you know, and it's... um a lot of pieces too around the cesarean is I for one don't have a lot of experience around it only the mothers that I've served but I find that the biggest piece with mothers like that too is keeping them off their feet and learning how to pretty yeah pretty much take on all those tasks for them which takes people that are trained so that's the whole training piece that comes in is you know it's it's that's where it gets a little bit tricky because yes there's not much she can do you know you even have to sometimes help help her to hold her baby and I I mean it's well as I time as I try to remind people a cesarean is major abdominal surgery and uh you know there's so much it might be as something as simple as you can't pick up a big box of whatever that the UPS guy just delivered and it's in front of your door. <laughs> yeah. And and so those simple things sometimes can really mean so much in that mm-hmm. you're not just stuck with it's me or else it doesn't get done. It could be that somebody else can do some very simple things. You mentioned food, um, driving, running up and downstairs, doing laundry, whatever it is, or chauffeuring the other kids to dance lessons, Boy Scouts, whatever. And so I think mm-hmm. we need to keep all of those in mind. Hey, everybody, I'm Marie <laughs> Biancuzzo. I'm here with Michelle Peterson. We'll be right back after this short break. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuso, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today we've got plenty of clarifying facts that we need to tackle as we talk with Michelle Peterson, who is really an expert on giving community-based care to postpartum mothers. I know that she believes in doulas, uh, trains doulas, has used doulas and so forth, but she really talks about postpartum care in a bigger way rather than just doulas, which, which is in no way to denigrate doulas, but rather to say that it's it's really about a societal kind of thing. So, Michelle... I want to pick up with this business about society, because in one of your recent blogs, you said it's not just about one mother taking care of another mother or one person taking care of another person. I'm expounding here a little bit, but basically you said this is a societal thing. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I you know, I find that, one, we've talked about how there's not a lot of information on the postpartum except for around depression, right? And then I I find that I meet a lot of mothers who say that they don't feel comfortable going out to a restaurant or they feel like they get looks if their baby's crying or they yeah. feel alienated. And I'm not saying this is an overall picture, but it's a, it's a common it's there. that I've heard. And I've experienced it, and it's not to say that, you know, screaming babies at a fancy restaurant all the time or anything like that, but one way that we as a society can be more caring to mothers is, number one, recognizing the value, maybe uh, really letting in and feeling, and I know this would be hard for a lot of people that have never done it, but we have all been parented at one time or another, so we've been <laughs> at one part of that chain, is just feeling what they're doing every day and um, you know, in the world, I tell people just if a mom has a tantruming baby, for God's sakes, don't give her dirty looks. And you, how do you think she's feeling right now? Just sure. lend her a hand or lend her a hand by not giving her the dirty look. Or if you see, if you're another mom or a you know a woman that cares for moms or just another woman that has friends that have babies, just pay attention to her and don't just focus on the baby. So it's a very big piece and our culture at least that I see where people look right at the baby and they don't even acknowledge the mother and the mother is like celebrated when she's pregnant and how are you feeling and it's it's just this strange thing once the baby's out she disappears and not always of course but um you see it a lot and you know take a moment to look into her eyes I I would imagine that if we, we spent more time looking into the eyes of our mothers and paying attention to what they might need or giving them a little more kindness and having more um, systems of support in our communities and classes and whatever, however that looks, we'd, we'd see a different picture with our mothers. It's like they're forgotten Absolutely. about. And you would look in their eyes and see, like I've seen in my community many times, something's not right here. Something's hurting. And it's, you know, the postpartum window is very vulnerable. You're not sleeping. There are those pieces. There's just the inevitable. You can look a bit harried, but... I've looked into the eyes of some women and gone, okay, something's going on here. And we talk about it. And I'd say three out of eight of those cases, it was um, 
health stuff going on, but a lot of times it was just, you know, so they were depleted from health issues and I could see, just see in their eyes, something's delight wasn't there. And a lot of times they just needed to talk. And once yes. they talked about what was going on, oh my God, I thought I was alone. Oh my gosh, I thought I was a horrible mother and I feel so bad about this. And they just needed to talk about it and to be seen and heard. And um, so I've made a special effort in my own life to take a look at the baby and then I'd look at the mom and I, you know, I'll, if I know her, I say, how are you? And how's everything going? And they want to talk in most cases. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Well, and sometimes I have said to the mother, effect of what a good job you're doing with mm. this baby. And I've been astonished sometimes when they look at me and say, oh, do, mm. do you think so? Mm-hmm. And with that tone in their voice, like, wow, mm-hmm. nobody else seems to think so. And, and I don't even think so myself. You know, it, people just mm-hmm. need this reassurance. To me, one of the things that I see very often is that women feel very overwhelmed, very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, the best, and I probably said this on the air before, the best description I ever got was when somebody said it was like going from being a graduate student to being a full professor overnight. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're just responsible for this little tiny person. Michelle, yeah. you talked a minute ago about this postpartum period. And I want to point out a chapter in your book that was titled, Why 42 Days? Talk to us about the 42 part, 42 days. The way that I came across 42 days and was through the Ayurvedic uh, perspective, which comes from India, and it's becoming more more common in the postpartum doula circles. There's postpartum Ayurvedic doulas, and they focus on diet and mother warming. And so they say um, the first 40, they believe, first 42 days, how you take care of the mother, how she takes care of herself will impact the next 40 years of her life. And it's all about rejuvenation and rebuilding and healing you know, I saw, I started looking into other postnatal practices, and in China, it's 40 days. They've got well, uh-huh. it can be up to 100, but there's um, that 40. Their climate window is a bit different. Um, the 40 days there, and then you read up in Bali where the mom. I'm not remembering the exact amount of days, but she doesn't uh, leave the bed. It's at least 20 to 35 days, and like, oh my goodness, this is a thing going on on another. So. I use that as my framework, and I didn't, um, my first postpartum, I left the house like I'd walk around the neighborhood, and um, but for my second, and here, I'd walk around in nature, but I didn't go out into the, the busyness of the world for 40 days. I was home. I mean, I may have, um, I don't, I may, may have run a few errands here and there, but I really stuck to it, and I was in bed, and I did all my, my care practices and had my whole protocol, and um, I felt healthier than I had in years, like many. Mm. It was amazing. It was incredible. I, mean, I felt like a 20-year-old. I'm not kidding. Ooh. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> I feel so good right now. And it's because I was giving my body that time to heal. And breastfeeding was effortless. You're just laying in bed, you know, skin to skin. And not to say breastfeeding is always effortless, but it definitely, I think, helped in my case. Well, you uh, were more up for it, if there's such a phrase. Sure. Uh, and, and I think, too, one of the things you mentioned in the book is that um, you felt this sense of being cared for, or at least this was my tr- interpretation, that you, you, you had this sense of being cared for 
And so, therefore, you were able to care for your baby. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You think about it, right? Where your attention goes, it eats up your, where, you know, if you're worrying all the time, that's where a lot of your energy goes, right? Or if you're thinking about taking care of this and this and this, but all my energy went to just letting my body heal and being with my baby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, and knowing, okay, if something comes up, I have people I can call on. I had people signed up for every day of the week <laughs> and they probably only came three days a week because I would they'd be on call for like a little window and I just didn't I didn't need anything but I liked knowing that they were there it's like I have food I'm good <laughs> absolutely well you know on the other end of the spectrum uh, my mother died at home and my friend mm-hmm. Marianne is a nurse and she lived down the road from my mother and she said to me just call me just call me if you need anything just call me and I didn't but I knew I could and yeah that is so reassuring when you know you're not in this alone. Absolutely. You also mentioned a book familiar with. Uh, you said, my midwife lent me a copy of After Baby's Birth by Robin Lim. Talk to us about this book. This book. I don't know this book. It's so funny because I was given the book, and that's no fault on her, but I got it after the baby's birth. We, we laugh about that, or is it the very end of my pregnancy? But I didn't look at it until after the baby's birth, so that, that I got a kick out of that. Robin <laughs> Lim is a midwife in Bali. She was CNN Hero of the Year, 10, I think. She's got a big birth center out there, but anyway, she's written a lot of books. Um, okay. But this book is where I learned about meal trains, um, and mm. meal trees, she calls it. And Brings, now there's okay. a website meal train but meal trees are people bring meals and they sign up and I thought well what a novel idea let me try that and then um she talks all about postpartum care practices and herbs and the emotional pieces and um it's one of my favorite postpartum books because she really gets into the equally as important obviously is the physical care and she talks about everything from varicose veins and hemorrhoids and breastfeeding Mm, issues mm. it's like a it's a great book. It's a great postpartum book. Uh, I'm well impressed. Done. She wrote that, I think, in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, you know, all those things are very real. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, either from my professional life or from my personal life, I've seen women go home with all sorts of, of illness, not really illnesses, but things, you know, Mm -hmm. hemorrhoids, it's not the end of the world. And sometimes they're not all that big of a deal, but they're still a big deal in the sense that Mm -hmm. they need to be taken care of. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it sounds like this book was an eye opener to you as to not only what could happen, but maybe some good tips on how to take care of those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, that's my next trip is to try to see if I can get a hold of that book. Don't go away. Uh, When Michelle and I come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of warmth for the postpartum body. And I'm going to ask Michelle to give you some just real simple tips on things that you can do to plan for your postpartum period and to have a better postpartum experience. I'm Marie Biancuto. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? 
parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me. I have with me today Michelle Peterson, who is author of Seven Sisters for Seven Days. Michelle, you talk a lot in your book about warmth. And I know that there are many cultures throughout the uh, world that consider the postpartum body to be open and the postpartum body to be in a cool state. And so the thought is to keep the body closed and to keep the body warmed up. Now, I don't think that's a very popular U.S. notion, but clearly you have embraced that. Tell us why, and then tell us how to make that happen. Well, I, I have a background. I've been studying herbalism um, for many years, and I've learned a bit about warming herbs and warmth for stimulating digestion. So I knew a little bit about it, and then I was exposed to the Ayurvedic postpartum practices and a lot of it is warmth through the diet and through um belly binding and what you'll see in uh, you know there's uh these like cesarean binders or these belly binders that women get Uh that they want to slim down right that's the thing in her i want to slim down slim down yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's that's all well and good but the real reason why those well some of them were created was to help 
keep the organs in place. So the reason I embraced it was um, it made sense to me. And uh, I knew that, you know, if you keep the kidneys warm, it helps keep warmth in the body. And I had these little things that I learned over time. And then I actually, after my first postpartum, had gut issues. And that was a big part of my whole healing journey with my health. So it was really important to me to take better care of my gut. Because as we know, when you're in labor, the blood goes to the uterus, right? There's not right. so much right. hanging around in your digestion. So it. some people say it completely stops. Some people say it slows down. I don't know for sure. but um, Well, it's sluggish, it I think. I, I would bet, yeah. Because, you know, that's why hemorrhoids and constipation and all these postpartum things. So I thought, okay. With my first, I had gut issues. I had, this might be TMI, but it's the truth. I had really bad <laughs> hemorrhoids. So from pushing and everything else. And then I was constipated. It was awful. It was just terrible. It was so painful. I mean, going to the bathroom was like a horror story. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's what it was like. And this is the reality for a lot of women, right? So I thought, okay, I'm going to do warming herbs for my gut to help stimulate digestion. And then lots of oil and lubrication to help move everything through. And then I did... Um, a kidney wrap to keep the body warm and I did warm socks and I didn't um, wash my hair and leave it wet I would dry it right away because in my first postpartum every time I laid on the couch with wet hair I'd notice I'd get sick in the first couple really? of weeks I'd get wow. a little bit of a cold yes and I thought hmm. wait a minute that's happening when I sleep on cold wet hair it's like an AC blaring because my son was born <laughs> in the summer okay this time I'm going to try to stay warm so I knew that, you know, when you're heal- when you're trying to create an environment of healing, warmth will um, help support that. So that was the simple place that I came from. But then I started really studying into it and learning about these other practices. And there's a movement now called the Sacred Pregnancy Movement. And there's many others, but you'll hear about a term called mother roasting. And then you've got these women, they call them mother roasters. And people, what the heck is that? <laughs> they learn about belly bun. It's, you know, warming the mother. But mother roasting is done in Southeast Asia where they laid the mother over a bed of coals so all that warmth would help nourish heat in the body for healing. They literally, they didn't roast, but, you know, they're over a bed of coals. That was a real thing. Nowadays, it's just keeping warmth in the body to stimulate healing. And um, simple ways you'll see is these belly binds. They're like, it's becoming more common. The -hmm. Kung belly bind where it's knotted in the... um, they've become a bit trendy, but it's really about, you know, I tell them, this is not just about looking trim. Your organs <laughs> were moving yeah, all over the place. Absolutely. And, and get a, you know, this helps get them back into place and, um, of course, also keeps the body nice and warm. And I, I tell that one to, to moms a lot. Drink warm teas. I drank, with my protocol, room temperature drinks. I didn't drink anything cold. I mean, I really went for it because I was like, I am going to heal this gut. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about many years ago, um, I was working as a staff nurse at Georgetown, and there was this woman that I guess had had her last baby in France, and she wanted Mm -hmm. a belly binder, and of course, nobody knew what she was talking about. I didn't know what she was talking about either, but I'm kind of one of those that, you know, if somebody wants it, and if I don't feel like it's going to do him any harm yeah sure I'm, I'm good for that yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I'm really been in the idea that it's much more than as you say it's not just about looking good but rather about the fact that organs do shift around and mm-hmm. and so tell me 
you talk about uh, the herbs for sitz baths, and I assume that you're also putting them in tea that you drink. And talk to us a little bit about that. So I had a whole um, tea protocol that I created with my naturopathic doctor and my herbalist, and it was based on um, milk production, uh, toning the adrenals, which is toning the adrenals and kidneys, which get really depleted after a big event like birth. Um, I had herbs for the nervous system, and um, you also, a main thing she had to look at, I had thyroid issues with my, after my first, um, so you got to make, she made sure that none of them were thyroid suppressants. What ended up happening was I was overproducing milk, so then we cut out the galactagogues, but they were mainly for the nervous system, the gut, the adrenals, um, at night, she had one to help me sleep and help the. And of course, they got to be safe for baby, right? Because they're coming absolutely. through the Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, a lot of women ask me about that. And then the sits baths that I created, um, some were based off what my midwife gave me as a recipe. And the other thing, I do, I do the sits baths, and then I fill up peri. Um, what do you call them? Peri bottles. Peri bottles. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. I keep them by each toilet, so when you go to the bathroom, you can squeeze <laughs> tea on yep. there to help everything heal. And that's one of my biggest tips. I tell women, you're going to really wish you had one of those by the toilet. Um, and, you know, it's really important when women, with not so well, with anything with herbs. I mean, sitz baths is topical, but still, you got to be mindful and consult with someone that knows what they're doing. But it's really important with the teas to work with um, an herbalist or a doctor. Who knows what they're doing. No, so everyone says lemon balm is really safe during pre- uh, pregnancy and postpartum. Lemon balm is a thyroid suppressant. It's a minor uh-huh. thyroid suppressant, but for example, you know, so there's, th- you'll read in these books, lemon balm is not true. <laughs> it's, you know, if someone's got thyroid issues, you don't want to give them lemon balm, for example. And that's one of the ones I see in a lot of postpartum books. Like, oh, this is great for everyone. And, you know, or there might be certain herbs that just don't go with your baby or they, yeah, you're producing too much milk and that's not good either. And so it's, yeah, it's important. <clears throat> Michelle, you've given several what I would consider to be uh, practical tips here. You've talked to us about keeping your body warm, keeping your feet warm, being in bed, but yet not isolating yourself. Those two things are are different. Um, You've talked about the peri bottles, peri wash, uh, sits baths. Uh, Tell us some other kinds of things that you would consider to be just some real practical tips for how to have a better postpartum experience. If a woman's going to have a team, one of the main things I tell them is have your team come in the house and show them exactly how you like to do things. Because for okay. some women, they don't want to go looking for their pots and pans. They don't want to be wondering if they're going to use the wrong laundry soap. It sounds really <laughs> silly, but this comes up a lot. Yes. So yes. letting people know exactly how you need help. Don't hold back because they're helping you. So you'll just let them do it. However, because you have to go in there and fix it all around later. It's really likes I tell them set up a nursing station which you read up you know a lot of books but also buy your bed removing distractions mm-hmm. uh, you know not a bunch of phone tablets and things so you'll actually sleep you can have right. those things at your nursing station but if you're going to bed to sleep maybe put them on a tray and have people take it away when it's nap time so you don't get distracted um another one that's more of a you know just letting people help you is one of the biggest pieces and it, a lot of women say they want the help but they have a hard time letting it in and just a, a main tip is recognizing if people people aren't going to be forced into offering postpartum help if they're showing up, it's because they really want to give you that gift. So let them give it to you. Um, 
What else? I, I think the key there is that they really like to cook or they like to drive or they like to do laundry. I had an aunt who actually liked to iron. I could never understand that. But, you know, people like to do different things. And yeah. I, what I got yeah. from what you wrote was that if, if the person really likes to do that, then they don't consider it a chore doing it for the new mother. Did I get that right? Absolutely. A lot of helpers are going to be people that have had children that understand how important this is a great amount of joy from helping mother. I know I love it. I love it. Let me in there. I'll do whatever you need. Um, because I know how hard it is. I yes. can't wait to help. Um, identifying what things are important and letting people help in that. Even little things like getting trying nursing bras ahead of time and nursing gowns, all these little things that can become really stressful, right? When you're, you're trying to decide nursing and your nursing bra doesn't fit right or you don't have a... Right. Gown that you, and, I, you know, again, also working with your healthcare provider on your health picture ahead of time and incorporating that into the postpartum plan is huge rather than waiting until something crashes, which is unfortunately what a lot of people do. Yeah, and the until something crashes part is just that that's just no, that's just not the way to go. It just doesn't. I know. Uh, and making sure. up a menu too, making up mm. the recipes that you really like, yes. um, having a menu for people, buying ingredients ahead of time, buying prepaid debit cards, getting little door hangers or a dry erase board. Oh, um, yes. A cooler for outside of the house will stop people from coming in. I put a sign up, but you can put a cooler outside, people can drop off meals, leave it outside, things like that. Even having just a small refrigerator, uh, it, it seems like a luxury, but it probably isn't. Any of those yeah. things that are just going to make your life easier, uh, so, so mm-hmm. important. Hey, everybody, don't go away. Michelle and I will be right back after this short break. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report. 
so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. Michelle, I have in my hand sisters for seven days, the Mother's Manual for Community-Based Postpartum Care. What inspired you to write this book? Well, I... Um I originally created that system for myself. I hired a postpartum doula. She got pregnant, and I thought, okay, i got to create something else. <laughs> and I didn't want to uh-huh. – I didn't have any other doulas around me. So I created the system for myself, and then the women that participated in it, as well as women in the community, started asking me to teach them how to do it. And then um, I started setting up little teams in my community. And then my midwife said, will you come teach a class, and what do you think about teaching people how to facilitate this? Then you can – it circulate and I said well that's a great idea so I started great doing idea. the classes and then okay. I thought okay I'm trying to do I was trying to do classes with pregnant women as well to help them um, create their own postpartum plan and the whole picture as well if, in the event they couldn't get to a facilitator and I was finding it was hard to rally up the women and a lot of them would say I'm already taking so many classes and I thought okay why don't I just put it all in a book because I keep emailing people the same information <laughs> over and over again uh-huh. I'm just going to put it in a book, and um, I found Kathy Kendall Tackett's press, and I fell in love with it through another postpartum book she published, and I thought, I really love this press, and this could get this book out to mothers, and um, I submitted the proposal to her, and, I, and she loved it, and off we went. I mean, it was really uh, synchronistic how it all came together, but the, the the intent was to get the program to as many moms as I could in an easy way. And I thought, okay, you can get the Kindle and read it in bed. I don't know how much easier it can be. <laughs> and that was, that was the intent was how can I help these moms use the system? And facilitators are great, but you can only train so many. And I'm still doing that too because I want to have people who are well-versed in the system all over that these moms. But for those who are do-it-yourself, which is a lot of people, especially first-time moms uh-huh. who don't know what's needed, and then I hear from them later. <laughs> um, three months, I hear from a lot of women, three, four months postpartum, you know, I wish I had done this. And so 
that was the intent was how can we get it to as many moms and in an easy way for them? Cause they're already doing enough being pregnant and birth, preparing for birth and everything else. You know, there's so much you're thinking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you the hard question. What's your favorite part of the book? My favorite part of the book is about the, the heart, the heart of the matter. That's my, that's where I think the juice is. And I think that's the piece that's overlooked and, Learning, you know, the art of receiving, learning how to let people help you, knowing that you're worthy of it. That's a big part of why this isn't happening is because a lot of the women I meet, even the women that hire me for consults, don't Mm. ask for a lot of the help they know they want because they have a hard time receiving help or letting go or being out of control or there's belief systems around what's proper. Sometimes it can be... um, caste systems and what's culturally appropriate for the family and sometimes the husbands or partners don't want people coming and helping there's all these little things you know and um that's the biggest piece i've found it's not the logistical stuff it's teaching women you're worthy of this what you're doing is really important you're going to need this help you don't have to be superwoman all the time you've got plenty of time to be superwoman while your children are running in two different directions all the time at least in my case because i have two boys um, so, you know, that to me is the biggest piece and I, I love getting into the, the heart, the heart of it all. I just wanted to say, I can't remember now if it was in the book and I can't find my notes here, but you talked about if we would just consider this woman to be a magnificent tree that bears much fruit, we would mm-hmm. care for that tree. We would water it. We would give it fertilizer. We would take care of it. It's like, well, that's pretty profound, Michelle. That, that's that's pretty <laughs> profound. Yeah. And what kinds of feedback have you gotten from people who have read the book? I hear mostly from the women. I hear from the most that I don't know directly um, are people who want to carry the system out. But my favorite emails are honestly from the moms who tell me um, the most recent one. She said, I was going to put all this money towards childcare and, and da, 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 this functional stuff, which is still functional. And now I'm going to put it towards my postpartum plan and we're getting helpers nice. and I'm calling on my family and friends and I'm going, Oh my goodness, this is so great. And you know, uh, those are my favorite emails. So I, I get a lot like that where women say, I realize, you know, I really need to do this for myself. But the most emails I get are women saying they want to carry out the system and they want to facilitate it. That's actually what I hear the most. I really are you doing facilitator trainings online? I really want to do this, you know, which is great. And it's mm-hmm. often doulas or childbirth educators or, you know, women that are serving women. And that's that's the community that already knows the need. So the goal is to get it out to the community that doesn't realize the need yet. And um I'm still working on that, you know, just even maybe free educational pamphlets for hospitals or I don't know yet. I mean, but uh, yeah, that's what I hear from the most. But I love hearing from moms that say they're going to set up a plan for themselves. I just think it's great. And, it, you know, uh, the other piece we didn't talk about is how much pressure that takes off the partner, too. It's a whole other piece. Mm, it yes. benefits everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I would I'm sure I've said this before on the show, too, which is just remember that baby belongs to the partner as well. And mm-hmm. you cannot expect the partner to be doing all of the, you know, tasky maintenance kinds of things. It, yeah. it just, it doesn't seem fair. Uh, it's, and it's, it's a, yeah. 
it's certainly not very exciting. I think, too, that I want to highlight something else that you said about telling the helpers this is how this is where the pans are. This is how we whatever. And I know that somewhere in your book, I saw things like put down what your allergies are so that they're not bringing you a whole pan full of whatever. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, you're allergic to that. And, um, you know, I'm thinking that my sister always is very respectful about saying, now, I'm going to do a load of laundry here. If I use this soap, is this okay for everybody? Does anybody? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's simple, but it's, it, it's like, no, if you, if somebody has an allergy or a preference or a whatever, and, then, and that gets messed up, then nobody ends up feeling good about it. And uh, right. I think it goes back to that ability to do, as you said, receiving and to do that in a gracious manner, but to not be afraid to ask for help. And I know that in your book, you said very clearly that um, in, in, with your first baby, you thought, oh, well, this is the way my mother did it. So I guess this is the way I got to do it. I just got to put up and shut up. And in fact, it, it really can be much better than that. Michelle, we only have a minute or so before we close. We have less than a minute, really. Uh, can you give us a parting thought or two? I would just say as you, you move forward, whether you're a, um, a care provider or a woman that has mothers in your, your family, community, just take a moment to look at how you can better show up for them and bring more value to them, even people you don't know at the store. And I, I think that's how we can start. Value. It's a good start. Mm. Absolutely. Totally love that. Well, it's been such a great time uh, talking with Michelle Peterson, author of Seven Sisters for Seven Days, the Mother's Manual for Community-Based Postpartum Care. We will feature that on my website. Let me give you my website. It's www.borntobebreastfed.org. And I will say that again, borntobebreastfed.org. And if we can, we will try to feature the other book that Michelle talked about. And in the meanwhile, I would say, visit Michelle's website. Michelle, quick, quick, what's your website? SevenSistersPostpartum.com. Amen. So there's your homework for this week. Two places that will be helpful to you as you plan uh, what hopefully is a very joyful postpartum experience for you. Michelle, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Marie. And I will see everybody next week, same time, same channel, where we will bust the myths and clarify the facts. Remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.